Well, hey, good morning, church. How are you doing? Good. My name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors. And man, if I ever get pulled over, or when I get pulled over again, I want Joel to definitely pull me over because he just seems like an awesome guy, right? And if you do, uh, if you could do me a favor, if you're a police officer, a firefighter, a first responder, active or retired, can you please stand? There we go. All right. As we're in this series, A Church for Monday, we're looking at different people in the workforce and just how they can uh, come in, hear from the word of God, be in community, and go out and further the gospel. So what I want to do, I just want to take a moment and just pray for those people, police officers, firefighters, first responders. Will you just join me in prayer? Uh, Dear Lord, Lord, we just thank you for these people that they go out and they serve, Lord, they put their lives on the line, um, Lord, especially in the world that we live in where um, it's almost second nature to just resist that authority. Lord, I pray that you would just be with them as they're going out, Lord, just like Joel is saying, give them the opportunities, open the doors for them to share your gospel, to love in a way that's glorifying to you. Lord, I pray for their families as they see their loved ones leave, not knowing if they're going to come home that day. Lord, that you will be with them, that you will comfort them. Lord, that they'll draw near to you. Lord, we just thank you so much for them. Lord, we pray that you will just comfort them and keep them this week. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2, we're going to be starting in verse 13. If you don't have a Bible this morning, there's people that are making their way forward. Go ahead, raise your hand, get a copy of God's Word. If you don't own a Bible, go ahead and keep that. That'll be our gift to you. So we're continuing. We were in the the first part of uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 last week, and we're talking about how we're a part of a royal priesthood, that that we're a part of this family. We're living here on this earth as uh, resident aliens, but this isn't our permanent home. But while we're here, there's implications for that. And we're, we're called to act differently. We're called to live differently. And we're going to be looking at one of those aspects today, a very difficult topic, the topic of submission. And I was uh, in the Marine Corps. I joined the Marine Corps when I was 18. And one of the amazing things and something that I really cherish about my time in the military, uh, the, the men that I got to serve under, there were guys that would come alongside me. And they would pour into me. They would say, hey, we're getting ready for this deployment. Um, how's your relationship with your wife? Is she going to be taken care of? That I want you to know that I'm going to have your back, that we're going to make sure that you're trained, that, hey, I'm going to be there with you the entire time. And it's easy to follow a guy like that. It's easy to submit. And at a moment's notice, I knew that that guy would jump on a grenade for me. I know that he would take a bullet for me. So I can easily submit to that. But one of the harder parts about the military is there are promotions by time and grade. That, that a guy can literally stay in long enough and, and pick up rank and pick up rank. And then there are people that have to submit and follow them. And it's like, man, I, I can do this job better. You know what? I don't trust this guy. You know what? I'm not going to listen to him. I'm not going to be submissive. But here's the thing about the military, here's the thing about our life as Christians, is that we don't get to pick and choose. We don't have the luxury of deciding who we're going to submit to. In the military, it's, it's anybody that ranks above you. And as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, it is anybody that's an authority to us, our bosses, our parents, the government, our spouses. 
And sometimes we look at that, we're like, man, that's just not fair. And here's our big idea is that how I conduct myself when life is unfair matters a lot. How I conduct myself when life is unfair matters a lot. So go ahead, follow along with me. Verse 13, 1 Peter chapter 2 says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme or governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And what we need to understand in the, the context that we have to look at as Peter's writing that, he's writing to the persecuted church in Asia Minor, and that's modern day Turkey, and he's saying, hey, honor the emperor. And we need to know who the emperor is. The emperor is this guy named Nero. Okay, so um, that, that's Emperor Nero, you know, not a great looking guy, don't really want to follow him just because of that. But, but Nero was actually a really bad dude. He's persecuting Christians, he's killing Christians, he's having them crucified, he's impaling them on stakes and using them as like human candles to light his city. Like this is a bad guy. And, and Peter's still saying, hey, we need to submit to him, we need to follow him. Uh, Nero allegedly uh, lit his own city on fire just so he could turn it and point to the Christians and say, you know what, this was their fault. So there's him, there's King Felix, another bad guy. There's Pilate who gave the order to crucify Jesus. But yet, what is Peter saying? Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor, this guy Nero, or governors like Felix, sent by him, sent by God to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good, for this is the will of God. So here's what I want everybody to do. I want you to take your Bibles, those two words, be subject. I want you to highlight them. I want you to underline them. I want you to star them. Because here's the reality, if we're all being honest with each other right now, um, I know I would rather just erase those two words. It's like, man, what does, what does be subject mean? It means to live in submission. And here's a biblical definition of submission. It's placing yourself under another's authority as if under God's authority, that I'm willing to follow this person, I'm willing to be obedient to them, as if it was the Lord himself that was giving me this instruction. Submitting does not mean that I get what I want. It actually implies that I don't agree with what's going on here, but it's willingly choosing to be humble. Isn't this the best route towards human flourishment? Like, like this thing that we all crave so much and that we want for our society. We, we all deeply want peace. And we want to live in a world that everybody is getting along and everything's going smooth. But the reality is, is that we are so unwilling to submit that that makes it impossible. See, Pastor Cal, um, he's my boss. So we have staff meetings and we have different ministry meetings and I'll come in with an idea and I'll be like, hey, there's this awesome idea. I've been praying about it. I feel like I have clarity on it. This is going to be an amazing thing for the ministry. And he's like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. We're not doing that. And I'm like, but, but I still got to submit. Like, like there's times where I'm just like, man, I, I don't agree with what he's saying, but you know what? I trust him. I know that he's following the Lord. I know that he's honoring the Lord. And you know what? I'm going to submit and I'm going to follow him. And if I'm you, I'm like, okay, Nate, um, 
My boss isn't a pastor. It's not that easy for me. You know what? If you saw the things that my boss was telling me to do, like it, like it directly goes against God's word. Are you saying that I have to submit to him? No. Remember the, the definition that I gave you, that you're obeying, that you're submitting as if that was coming from the Lord himself. And here's what I know about our God is that he would not tell you to disobey his word, that you can respectfully refuse to submit if you are asking to disobey God's word. Think about Peter. Peter's preaching the gospel, and here's what happens in chapter 5. They ask him to quit preaching the gospel, verse 27. Go ahead, follow along with me on the screen. It says, and when they had brought him, they set him before the council. And the high priest questioned him, saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us? But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. So God's authority, it always trumps man's authority. And yet, what Peter is saying, he's saying, hey, live in submission to every human institution, whether it be to this emperor as supreme, and we're thinking about that emperor, we're thinking about how crazy it is that, that, that the very man that Peter is telling them to live in submission to is the same man that's trying to hunt them down and kill them. And Peter's saying, live in submission because this is the will of God that you would be obedient. It says to live in submission to every human institution, every secular authority that we see, whether we agree with their views or not, that the government... It was instituted by the Lord for our protection. Look at the verse that says it, verse 14. says, or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. So who are we resisting when we are bashing our president? Who are we doubting when we're saying, you know what, I can do this job so much better than my boss? Who are we rebelling against by picketing and rallying and marching? It's not the person. It's not the authority. It's not the, the system that's put in place that we might as well just be bashing our God. Look at Romans 13. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And Paul's writing this, and he's echoing the words. He's saying, for there's no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. And here's the thing. In God's grace, he's set up a system where we can appeal and we can, you know, in a right way, in an honorable way, say, you know what, I don't agree with this, and there's a process to go through with that, and that's good, and that's well, and that's fine. But at the end of the day, whatever the final decision that is made, we are called as Christians to honor and to submit to that. And this is where some of us have to pay attention, because we are so comfortable going on social media and just blasting anybody. We're so comfortable saying, you know what, my government's wrong. You know what, my school board is wrong. You know what, even my, my homeowners association, they're wrong. And, and I'm going to start this movement. I'm going to get everybody on my side just to prove how wrong they are. You know what, I'm not going to give up my guns. I'm not. You know what, if they're going to take my guns, they can come to my front door and they can pry them from my cold, dead fingers. I'm not doing it. And look, I, I'm as patriotic as they come. 
I've, I've gone to war. I've served in our military. But, but here's what we have to remember is this is not our primary home. This is not our permanent residence. So we have to remember the words of Jesus when he says, you know what? My father is in heaven and he has a mansion and he has a mansion that has many rooms in it. And one day we're going to be there and we're going to be there with him forever. So right now while we're here, we can live in submission that we're going to suffer and we have to learn how to suffer well. Our responsibility as Christians is to live in a culture that has turned from the Lord. We need to make a conscious decision to be a good citizen by submitting to the laws that our government has put in place, all while glorifying God. So for some of those people where maybe we we are on the side of resisting that authority, let's look at the Lord and see how seriously he takes submission. You know what Peter is saying here, he's saying one of the most profound ways we can glorify God is by subjecting ourselves to those who govern us, even when we don't agree with them. And there's different ways we do this. We do this by praying, we do this by voting, by paying our taxes, even something as small as obeying the speed limit. On Friday, I was, uh, I was going to a funeral in Holland, and my office is in Grand Haven, and I uh, get out on 31, and I do the U-turn, right? And, and as I've been preparing for this message, like, I, man, I've been convicted on, like, all these different levels, where I'm just like, I'm, I'm doing everything wrong. I just resist everything in my life. So as soon as I turn out on that road, I, I see the speed limit, and I'm going on 31, right? What's the speed limit on 31? 55. Okay, what's really the speed limit on 31, right? 5570, yeah, right. So, so I'm like, okay, Nate, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're, we're going to we're gonna do what we're called to do, right? You're a pastor. You're preaching on submission to authority this weekend. So boom, set my cruise to 55. I'm like, okay, I got this. 55, I made it maybe like three minutes, and I was in physical pain. I was just like, this, this, people go this slow. This, I don't understand what's going on here. People are flying by me, and I'm just like, I'm like scared. My Jeep is like shaking every time somebody passes me. And I'm like, man, I, you know what? This is very hard to do. And as I'm sitting there and people are flying by me and they're mad and they're like, well, who's this guy? Like some 80-year-old guy? Oh, no, it's not. Oh, that's weird. It's a young guy. I'm just like. (laughs) The longer I'm in that lane and how we need to tie this to our walk with Jesus is as everybody's flying by me, I'm like, you know what? It would be so much easier to get in the flow of traffic. It would be so much easier to, you know what, turn that cruise off, stomp on the gas, I'm going to pull over. I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing. Physically hard for me to be obedient. Physically hard for me to say, you know what, no, I'm going to do what I'm called to do. And look here, church. It's in our human nature to be disobedient. That is a result of sin to resist the authorities to say, you know what, I can do it better, to think, who is the moron that put that guy in charge? So what's at the root of our disobedience? What is that thing that wells up in our hearts when we see that sign, when when our boss tells us to do something that we don't want to do? For all of us, it's different. Maybe fear, it might be anxiety, maybe it's stress, maybe it's just like, for me, it's like, man, I just want to be in control. You know what? My way is best. And look here, you're not, you're not hero. You're not special. You're not doing something honorable by trying to start this movement. 
Look at how the Lord views this. Leviticus 26 says, but if you will not listen to me, and you will not do these commandments, if you spurn my statutes, and if your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. Pay attention to this. I will visit you with panic, with wasting disease, with a fever that consumes the eyes and make the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. So why does our fear, why does our anxiety, why does that longing and that trying to grab control in our lives, why does it increase with our disobedience? Because there's no sense of security. There's no security found in that. So our fear, our anxiety, our need to be in control, it's going to increase and increase, and we're going to end up in more bondage and more chains and more of a slave to that sin that's just grabbing our heart. What does Galatians 5 say? It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And then go ahead, look at verse 16, and First Peter says, live as people who are free, not only using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So what does it mean to be free? If we're not using our freedom for the flesh, but we're using our freedom to glorify God with our actions and our obedience and our thoughts, what does it mean to be free? I won't be consumed by whatever that is for you. Whatever that heart issue is, whether it's fear, anxiety, control, foolishness, whatever it is that you need to fill in that blank right now and say, you know what, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to point this out. I'm going to say, you know what, this is wrong. This thing that wells up inside of me and I need to praise this before the Lord right now. Whatever it is, you will not be fully able to enjoy the freedom that has been given to you and enjoy the gift of submission without releasing whatever that is. Here's what freedom does not mean, that I can do whatever I want. You know, I, I praise God that we live in a free country. And I love that, but American freedom is much different than biblical freedom. That in our American freedom, you know, I, I can make my own way. I can create my own worth. You know, if there's somebody ahead of me, I can find a way to undercut them. I can find a way to make myself that authority that I want to be. That, you know what, I am the source of my happiness. It's not true. We need to follow the biblical model of submission. When we do that, we will find, we will experience joy in its fullest. Verse 17 says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. Freedom means that I can endure and serve with joy. I can endure and serve with joy. And as Peter's writing this, and he's saying, hey, servants, and masters, the, the first thing we need to understand is um, that this biblical idea of slavery is much different than our country's um, history with slavery. That the way the Lord looks at and he views um, slavery and how that's played out in our nation, it's wrong and it's sinful and that's not God's heart. And if you want to do a deeper uh, study on this, check out the app. Awesome. We got an app. You can look that up. We actually taught on this this past summer um, so you can dive deeper into that. But the way that we need to look at this and what, um, what's going on here and what he's saying is uh, this servants and masters, we need to look at that as how we interact with our bosses. 
Uh, So he says, honor everyone, uh, love the emperor, fear God, honor the emperor. Then he transitions to our relationships with our bosses. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. And then pay attention here, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. That, that the way I'm interacting with my boss, the way I respect, the way I view, the way I talk about my boss, it needs to be the same whether they are kind and gentle or unjust and not so much. That there's, there's formal conversations that are happening with our bosses and things that go on behind closed doors. And the way that we take that conversation and we go out and have these informal conversations, it does matter. It matters a lot. Um, John, can you come up here? This is John. John wants to be a pastor one day, so I think it's good to get him up on stage. So this is my buddy, John. Um, We've had the opportunity to serve together and um, say that I'm your boss, all right? And uh, yes, good. Um, I'm like, hey, John, you know what, dude? I, I, I love having you on the team. Um, you're just such an inspiration to people around you. And the way that you carry yourself, um, I, I see like the leader in you. And you know what? I'm, I'm just asking you, man, like just follow my lead that we're going to tackle this together. And I'm giving you permission to even speak into my life, all right? But, um, you know, I believe that if we are just centered on the same thing, if we're just focused on the same thing, we're going to excel. Is that easy to follow me in that? I guess. You guess so? Pretty good? Okay. (laughs) Pretty easy. So I'm going to turn my mic off and I'm going to tell you some other things, okay? So... I'm smiling, and we're talking. He's even laughing, right? Um, am I saying good things? No. No. <laughs> I'm not saying good things. For this illustration, I had to be very careful who I picked for it, because it could really go the wrong way. So you, get, you can go ahead and have a seat. So, so John's going to go sit down, right? And you don't know. You, you just assume, like, man, I just heard all those good things that he was saying. And, and you know, that's a guy that I would want to follow. And as he goes and sits down... His wife, Cassidy, is going to be like, what was he saying when the mic was off? And then he has a, an opportunity to be like, hey, um, you know what? He, you saw, he's like, he's, he's, it's fine. He's a good guy, you know this. Or he can be like, you know what? That guy is the worst. And then they're having this conversation. And then the people next to him are going to be like, hey, what, what was going on up there? And there's like this grapevine effect that takes place where it just spreads like wildfire. And it's like, hey, okay, I have an opportunity, I have a choice right now that I'm going to be subject to my boss with all respect. I'm going to respond the same way to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. Then I'm going to choose to honor the Lord. I'm going to choose to humble myself. I'm going to choose to show respect, even when it doesn't make sense. When I remember that a sovereign God is in control, I can have endurance to live in submission, even under persecution, even when life is unfair. But how, right? How do we build this endurance? Romans 5 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Through him we have also obtained an access by faith into grace, in which we stand not only, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Do you see it? That suffering produces Endurance. And here, here's the one thing that I know that's guaranteed in life. And here's the one thing that all of us can look at and say, you know what? Yes, this is going to be a constant thing is that we are all going to experience suffering. But if I put all of my hope and my faith and my trust in Jesus, and if I lean into him in my suffering, I'm going to produce the endurance that is need to really just go through life to be able to interact with our bosses that don't treat us well, to be able to submit to a government that we don't necessarily agree with. So what's the point? Why should I submit? Verse 19 says, For this is a glorious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it when you sin that you are beaten for it if you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So the first thing I see is that it's gracious and it's glorifying. Did you catch that? The, the word gracious, that when we endure hardship, when we go through persecution, we're doing a gracious thing. The true grace of God, it's revealed in the world when Christians who are treated unjustly act honorably and suffer well. Tim Keller, a pastor in New York, says this about suffering. Christianity teaches, contra-fatalism, suffering is overwhelming. Contra-Buddhism, suffering is real. Contra-karma, suffering is often unfair. It's not good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. That's not true. But contra-secularism, suffering is meaningful. There's a purpose to it, and if faced rightly, it can drive us like a nail deep into the love of God into more stability and spiritual power than you can imagine. Isn't that what we all want? So badly, stability and spiritual power that that's offered to us through, through how we suffer, through how we submit ourselves when things are not fair, that that's how we're going to grow? See, the Lord, he holds a special place in his heart for those who endure persecution. That our submission, it's not only within the will of God, it's a gracious thing in the sight of God that when he sees us suffering and suffering well, it puts a smile on his face. Verse 21 says, for you have been called. I submit because I've been called to. 1 Peter 4 says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. You know, if our desire is to be more like Christ, if our desire is to be one with Christ, we are going to face suffering. It's guaranteed. And he's saying that you've been called to submit, and because you've been called to submit, you've also been called to suffer. So don't be surprised at the fiery trial. I know when I got saved and I started coming to church, I was like, man, my life is going to be easy now. I'm following Jesus. I'm being a Christian. Everything's just going to be okay. And then trials started coming and suffering started happening and increasing. And the enemy hated that. 
And if you're here right now and if you're new to this and you're experiencing more and more difficult things happening in your life, that's for a reason because the enemy does not want you to be here right now. He hates the fact that you're here. You need to press into that. It's like, I, I, I don't understand. I don't get what's going on. And here's the thing is that since you've been called to it by the Lord, the Lord is going to give you the endurance to persecute through it. Sometimes the pressure is going to build up. Sometimes the heat is going to build up. And it's like, man, what do we do with that? As I was researching suffering and you know high pressure situations, I was talking with Pastor Chris, um, and Pastor Chris is just like this dude that knows like all the random stats about stuff. You know, like you're just talking to him, and all of a sudden he's just like really just talking about all these things. Like I don't, even, Chris, you're losing me. I don't know what's going on. And he was talking about plants and how there was this experiment that was being done in California and how they were growing plants. Um, since it was California, we're not going to talk about what kind of plants it was, but. <laughs> It was like, okay, the environment, it, it's high pressure, no pressure, and low pressure. We're going to run this test and see what plant's going to produce the most fruit, what's one going that's going to grow the deepest roots, what one's going to flourish the most. It was a plant under the high pressure environment. The sequoia tree, one of the biggest trees on the planet, one of the trees that's been on the earth the longest, it's only able to reproduce through fire. And we're looking at God's creation. We're looking at how he has ordained things. And you know what? Under the highest pressure situation, only under fire are things going to grow. In the same way, if we don't experience suffering, if we don't handle pressure in our lives, how are we going to grow? That we need to understand there's, there's purpose in our suffering. That we can see the Lord in our suffering. And sometimes life hurts so bad and we don't understand why. I love telling this story about my son. Um, he's nine now. And I remember we were playing soccer in our backyard. And he was like three years old. And we're kicking the ball back and forth. And um, there's only so much fun you can have playing soccer with a three-year-old. So eventually I got bored, right? So I just start kicking the ball as high as I can, like over and over again. And he's just watching. And he's just like, this is amazing. My dad is Superman. It's so cool. And I'm like, all right, awesome. There's a challenge. I'm going to kick it higher and higher now. Um, so eventually, a ball got away from me, went over the house. And I'm like, awesome, this is why I had a son, so I don't have to do stuff like this. Pick him up, put him over the fence, go get the ball. So he, he runs around the house, and then I hear, like, that scream from your child that, like, every parent knows, where you're just like, something bad just happened, just that, like, blood-curdling scream. So I jump over the fence, and I run up, and Cam's laying on the ground, and he's holding his leg, and he's just losing it. And I'm like, well, this isn't good. So um, he's holding his leg, and I, I move his hand away from his leg, and as he was running, um, lawn care isn't really my thing, he, he stepped on a stick that was sticking up in the grass, it went up into his leg, and then broke off. So he's got like this much a stick, like stuck under his skin, but the end of it is broken off. So I'm like, yep, that's not good. So... Uh, I pick him up, and like any dad does when your kid gets hurt, I bring him in the house, and I, I set him down on the counter, and I'm like trying to keep him quiet because my wife is somewhere, and I don't want to get in trouble, right? So, <laughs> so I, I'm sitting him down, and I'm like, okay, I've been in 
similar situations to this. Here's what I need to do. I got to pry this thing open and, and pull the stick out. So I get a knife and I'm trying to like pry the, his cut open and pull the stick out. I should have got another stick to put in his mouth to bite down on because he's losing it. And my wife comes in and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, there's a stick in his leg. I got to get it out. And she's like, what? You're, you're not, take him to the ER. You're not a doctor. I'm like, yeah, oh, all right. That makes sense. So we go to the ER and um, we get in there and sit down. And the doctor's like, okay, here's what I need you to do. I need, this is going to hurt. I need you to hold him down. The only way I'm going to get this out is I got to get something in there and pry it out. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's what I was doing at home. My wife made me come here. <laughs> so before anything even happens, my son is losing it. And I'm, I'm the one that's holding him down. And he's screaming, Dad, why, why are you doing this? I, I don't understand. Why, you're causing more pain to me. Why are you holding me? Dad, I, I don't want to go through this. This is painful. I don't see the purpose in this. Isn't that what we do when we're suffering? When, when we don't understand what we're going through? And we're questioning the Lord. And we're like, Lord, I, I don't get this. I don't understand. I can't see the purpose in there. But what we have to remember is that while we're going through that, that we are sitting there with our Father and that he's holding us and he's doing that for our own good. And the reality is, if I just left that stick in my son's leg, it would have grown an infection. It would have grown into something bigger and worse. And in the same way, if we don't go through suffering and trials and experience pressure in our life, that there's a fruit that we're supposed to grow that we wouldn't grow without going through that suffering. So we have to remember that there is purpose in our suffering. Amen? text goes on to say, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example so that you might follow in his steps. I can submit because I'm entrusting myself to a higher authority. I can submit because I'm trusting myself to a higher authority. And here's the thing, church. We, we need to take ourselves off the throne. There, there's so many times I meet with people in soul care, and they come in, and they're explaining the situation to me, and it breaks my heart. Because we are so quick when we experience suffering, when we experience this persecution, when we feel like somebody has wronged us, we just take control. We throw up these walls. We put ourselves in defense mode. We start causing more harm than good. Because we think, you know what, if nobody's going to stick up for me, if nobody's going to have my back in this, you know what, I have to do it myself. How is that trusting a higher authority? It's not. Look at how Christ suffered for us. And because he suffered for us, the way that he suffered for us, we can trust him. Romans 5 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us that we can entrust ourselves to a higher authority because we know God's heart for us. That we can trust him, we can follow him, we can submit to him because even while we were still sinners, while we were still in opposition to him, while we were still saying, you know what, no, my way is better, he still suffers, still dies for us. 
I can submit because it reflects Jesus. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseers of your souls. That is our God. Completely innocent, completely in submission, completely sinless, chose to die for us. And in As he's suffering, as he's being crucified, as he's looking over the very men that are lifting him up on that cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. In the greatest moment of persecution and suffering in Jesus' life, he was able to willingly submit himself. He was able to entrust to God the Father. He did all that so that we can reflect his attitude and his actions under extreme persecution. See, life is unfair. And how we conduct ourselves when life is unfair, it matters. Our suffering matters. Our response matters. Our submission matters. As I've been reading over this passage, uh, I've been challenged. I've been convicted. The question that I ask myself and the question I want everybody in here to ask yourself right now is, who are you resisting in your soul? Who's that person that comes to mind when you say, man, I can do it better. They shouldn't be in that position. That it doesn't even matter what they're asking you or telling you to do that you want to resist just because of who that person is. There's multiple people in my life that have resisted their authority, have gossiped about thought ill of, just straight up disobeyed? Who's the Lord putting on your heart right now? Let that conviction set in. Let the Holy Spirit expose something. Maybe you didn't even know was there. My wife and I were getting ready for a small group about a year ago, and it was a passage similar to this, and man, the Holy Spirit got me. right before I was about to do small group and I'm getting attacked and the Holy Spirit's like, you have to do something, you have to do something. Because here's the thing, is that conviction always requires a response. We're either saying no or we're being obedient. And there was a guy that the Lord put on my heart and this guy that I was in the military with and he was one of my squad leaders. He was over me and he was a Christian. And I remember being on post and because I didn't like him, I didn't like his leadership style. When he'd come talk to me, I would just blow him off. And he'd try and talk to me about Jesus. And I was like, no, because I don't like you, I don't want to hear it. Get out of the military and I get saved and the Lord starts peeling back those layers. And I was like, Steph, I got to call this guy don't want to, but, but I know that I have to. So I call him up and he lives in Louisiana and it was during all those floods and he just lost his house. And I called him. I was like, Hey, the, the Lord's doing this work in my heart. You wouldn't believe it. I'm a Christian now. You wouldn't believe it. I, I work at a church now. He's like, man, just lost my house. Got three kids. Haven't been following the Lord. Thank you for calling me. And we keep in touch now, and 
He's like, man, because you reached out to me and I was at this, this low point in my life and I was going through suffering and, and I didn't understand why, but you know what? Your step of obedience, it did something in my soul. Man, I'm following the Lord now and my, my marriage is strong. And church, look here, if we are willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, the conviction that he puts on us, if we're willing to be obedient to that, think about the impact we can make for the kingdom. Think about the ripple effect that takes place. So think about that person. What are you, you going to do with that? Are we just going to say no, let another day go by, or are we going to live in submission and take a bold step in faith right now? Let's pray. Dear Lord, Father, I just want to ask for forgiveness right now. Lord, I know that there's people in my life right now, people that I am called to submit to, people I am called to follow. But Lord, I have a hard heart. I want what I want and I do what I do and that's wrong. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in my heart right now, that you would help me live in submission the same way that you did. Lord, I pray for everybody in this room right now where that person's face that we're dwelling on, that we're thinking of, how we've resisted, how we've sinned, Lord, that we would take a bold step. There's some of us we need to reach out and ask for forgiveness right now. There's some of us we need to share what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. For some of us, we need to talk about how much we are called to live in submission because of what your son has done for us. Lord, I pray for our government. Lord, I pray for our president. I pray for our police officers. Lord, I pray for everybody that is in a position of authority and how criticized they are for being in that position. Lord, I pray that we remember that you are the one that's placed them there. And we can rest in the fact knowing that when you see that they are unfit, Lord, you will remove them from that position. That we are called to honor them. We are called to love them. We're called to suffer and submit just like your son, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this place. Lord, I pray that your presence continues to be here. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.